even though he's the Lord of the harvest, our participation in the harvest is very, um, is very crucial. Praise God. Our participation is very what? Our participation is very, very crucial. Amen. So, sometimes I just receive a very prof- profound word over my life just by tuning into a particular service online. Just get that word. The question sometimes is what if the people who were meant to make it happen didn't make it happen? I would have missed it. Amen. Amen. So, we have to really do our part in bringing in that glorious harvest that God, you know, is set to bless us with. Are we together now? I remember one of the first statements I made when we, Father, we thank you for today. I thank you for your spirit. I thank you because you would impart us mightily in the name of Jesus. I remember one of the first statements I made when we started this Saturday um, church was that, um, and I think I have repeated this statement, it's about the third time I'll be making this statement because I want it to just sink in if possible. That never be afraid to start a thing. You remember I've been saying that? Never be afraid that everything that was great was started, right? Never be afraid to start a thing, never. And that's why when God began to tell us about this Saturday church, when we began to feel inspired for this Saturday church, it was imperative for us to start it. Amen. Amen. You have to start it. And never be afraid to start and to build a thing. Amen. Never. Um, that is where, the, that is how the kingship anointing is being exercised. Yeah? Kingship anointing is being exercised by your ability to what? To start and build. That's the order of David. That's the order of Abraham. Abraham had 318 men who the Bible says were trained in his house. You get the point now? If they were trained in his house, it means that he didn't, he didn't purchase them as mercenaries. It means that there were 318 lazy folks, right? Not normal folks that became 318 special force. Amen. And so, and that's how the kingship anointing functions. Your ability to start a thing and to grow it. Are you with me, friends? You must, you must, you must exercise um, that, that part of you, that muscle. The future and eternity belongs to those who have, the, who have exercised the muscle of starting a thing and building a thing. It must become, you must get used to this until, until it becomes natural to you. That if you are inspired in a direction, see, servants are invited to feasts. Kings prepare the feast. You get the point now? Kings do what? 
they prepare the feast, they prepare the spoil, they prepare the largesse. So when God begins to call you a king, then what he does is that he begins to what? Inspire you. Amen. And when you are inspired, then start. When you start, build. You get my point? And don't start so that you can say you have started. Build. But willing to build. Go all out for revelation, information, strength, courage, everything. So that you can build. You must be a builder. It is, it is the core of the apostolic office. The apostolic office is a building office. It's an office that can build. And you don't have to be an apostle to build. Amen. Amen. Are we together, friends? Yes, the reason for an apostle is so that we can have a people that are apostolic. Right? Yes. And so you should be able to do everything an apostle can do, which is building. If your marriage is not working as much as you want it to work, what, will you, what do you do to it? You build it. You can build it. Don't be, don't be, don't be someone who is, only, who is only inspired when, when something has, only inspired by finished product. You get it? That's some of the challenge of Africa. You get my point now? Africa is not for now, hasn't really had interest in building, in starting a thing and building it. Praise God. We are, we are uh, is it consumer or consumption oriented? Huh? <laughs> you get my point? And those who just want to consume, we serve those who have decided to build. Are you with me, friends? You have to be willing to build. Don't be a chicken. Don't chicken out when things are not yet formed. Huh? In the beginning was the heavens and the earth, right? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, right? And he says that the earth was without what? Form and void. Did he go and look for another one? And say, me, I don't like this one. No, this one does not have form. This one does not have void. I want better heaven and better earth. What did he do to the earth? Huh? He built it. He recreated it. He began to speak and recreate and, and, and build what he wanted. Can I say something to you? You can have what you want. That's if you are willing to build it. In every sphere of life, you can have what you want. If you are willing to what? Build it. You can have the income you want in life. You can have the income you want. You can have the kind of marriage you want. You can have the kind of friendships you want. If you are willing to what? To build it. You have to be intentional. I'm making, I'm, I'm making a new friend. I've, I've, I've had just three friends in about maybe 15, 15 years. So I'm making one new one recently. And I'm building it intentionally. I'm building it. I'm building it as if, as if I'm toasting a, a girl. 
call the friend, we do video calls, we check up on ourselves. I send him a text. I said, I want you to know that I trust you. He says, oh, I trust you too. <laughs> yeah, I can show you. If you, if you want to see my chat, I'll show you. I want you to know that I trust you. I want you to know that I love you. And he says, I love you too, my brother. Papa, pa, pa, we talk. We talk about twice a week. We have elongated talks because I studied him for a while and I decided that I want this guy to be my friend. And I'm building the friendship till he's completely captured. Put him in my jail for life. Yeah, I'm intentional about it. I want the friendship. It's not, the friendship is not happening by fluke. You get my point? The friendship is not happening. It's not just coming upon me. I've known him for three years. And for three years, we've been talking. We've been relating. But in those three years, I didn't decide to make him my friend. And when I decided to make him my friend, I decided to build the friendship. You get my point now? And I let him know I'm building it. And I do everything that I can do. I pay the right visits. I, I call. I send offerings. Yeah. I get, I, I hear for him from God. I give him the word and all of that. But my point is that you can build. I wish you tell somebody you can build. You can build. You have to be intentional about life. Are we together, friends? You have to be intentional about life. The future belongs to those who have an intent. Must have an intent. And time is for execution of intention. That's what time is for. You use your time to execute your intention. Time is not for whiling away. Most of us spend most of our time whiling it away. Every time people ask you what I do, I say, I'm just whiling away time. Don't while away time. It's a seed. You sow it. Are we together? Are we together? Some of us just have an assumption that things will be better. Don't assume things will be better. Tomorrow, tomorrow, what tomorrow will give you is a harvest. And harvest is a function of the seeds that you have what? That you have sown. Now Jesus put it this way in John chapter 4, 34. He said that my meat is to do the will of him who did what? Who sent me? Are we together here? My meat. That's my food. You know, that's a very strong statement. Like, I'm not living on any other thing. What is food to me? That's a very strong statement. My food. What's your food? One of the reasons why I rush my food when I'm eating, I rush my food. 
when I'm eating, I like to rush my food, and I eat very little portions. And I rush my food is because if I eat slowly, my real food, if it crosses my heart, I will stop eating. So I have to rush. I have to rush the food because any thought of my dream or vision, if, it's, if it crosses my mind at that moment, I'm done. I can't eat. So I rush it because you need to get to a point where the will of God, the purposes of God, becomes your what? Your food. One of, the, one of our patriarchs said that, was it David who said that he loves the word of God and feeds on the word of God, you know, above his necessary meal. You know what necessary meal means? That's maybe basic meal, like breakfast, like, like the meal you eat, just for, not for enjoyment, for survival. He says the word of God is, is more important to him than his necessary meal. So if people say you are too serious, the truth is life is serious. Are you with me? And seriousness is not... It's not, it doesn't have to show on your face. Seriousness is positioning of heart. Are we together, friend? Yes, sir. It's positioning of heart. You have to be intentional. You have to be intentional. And the beautiful thing about growing, about, about, about starting and growing a thing, is because Efforts are rewarded in harvest. So, you don't get back the same effort you put in. When you put in effort, what you get is what? Is harvest. You don't really get what I just said. Let me explain a little bit. That harvest is a law. Harvest is a law. Harvest is a law. There is a law called the law of harvest. You can't, you can't, you can't, you see, the size of harvest is too much that you can't, you can't save effort to become an harvest. You don't, because your effort does not equal your harvest. Your effort is a seed and harvest is given as harvest. So it is like an incredible multiplication of effort. Are you with me? So and this is this is this this is the confidence with which you should put in effort. Because sometimes you are putting in effort and you are sometimes discouraged because you think the effort is not yielding. Even at the level of effort, you put a lot of effort and like you, you got little but you don't know that it is, it is, it is, effort is being noticed and it is going to ignite a law. Immediately your effort ignites the law of harvest. Then you will now see that all the efforts of the past cannot be compared again to the good that has come your way. Are we together here? So when you see people in harvest... Don't be envious of them because you don't really appreciate the effort they have put in. Are you with me? And that's why don't, be, don't, don't stop putting in effort. Don't stop putting in effort. Because your harvest, <laughs> your harvest is crazy. Amen. 
It doesn't even look like your effort at all. So don't be discouraged when you are putting in effort. Because as discouraging as effort can be, that is, it is in a greater vein that harvest can be so alarming. Effort will be discouraging. Harvest is what? Is alarming and shocking. Are we together here? So the enemy sometimes wants you to, to lose confidence and be discouraged because you are putting in effort and it looks like you are doing nothing. But no, the day of harvest is coming. Yeah. And that was what the scripture was trying to encourage us when he says that do not despise the days of what? Of a little beginning. Don't despise it. There is, a, there is an attack, a natural attack that comes on the days of little beginning. It is, it is despising. Praise God. We all have the natural tendency of despising the days of what? Of little. Don't despise it. Don't despise it. You see, when your harvest begins to come, self, eh, even you will not be able to brag about your efforts. Yeah. I tell you the truth. The harvest comes. It says, greater is the end of a thing than the beginning thereof. Greater. So there is a massive harvest right in front of you. Just make sure you are doing the right thing. The Bible teaches us and encourages us is that do not be weary in what? Give me that scripture. It says don't be weary. So, effort sometimes can bring what? Weariness. You have to make a decision not to be weary. Don't be weary. Effort sometimes can bring weariness. But now, the scripture is telling us that don't be weary. Put all your energy into what the Lord says you should do, even though it's looking like it doesn't make any kind of sense. And even though it's looking like it's not yielding any kind of thing. God is not telling you to, it's not, effort is not savings. It's investment. It's a, it's a mega investment. It's not savings. It's not that. You know, when you, you know when you save, what you save is what you go and collect. You can't save 600 million and you think you collect 100 billion. It's what you saved you all. You collect. It's like, it's like laying your bed. As you lay your bed, so you lie on it. But harvest is, um, 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 but, but God harvest is, is powerful. And let us not grow weary while doing good. In due season, we shall reap if we do not what? Lose heart. Can you see? The, the doing good, if due season talks about reaping, what does reaping typify? Harvest. So it means that the period of doing good is what? Is sowing. Is seed. Is seed. Is seed. And you know what I like to always, I'm always afraid, and I don't like when I'm not in a season of sowing seeds. I'm always afraid. And I'm not talking only, only um, financial seeds. I'm always afraid. 
I'm always afraid. A pastor, a pastor sent me a message lately. And the pastor said, well, that I don't even know what's happening. There's a whole lot of harvest coming my way. A whole lot of people are just saving me. The way they are saving me is very powerful. Like, like I don't understand. Why is everybody saving? And I'm, I have people who are just saving. I said, wow. I said, that's good. This is the, you know, he was really grateful to God. I said, wow, that's powerful. And I asked a simple question. I said, beautiful. I said, please, can you tell me who you are saving? And um, I was kind of drawn back. I said, who are you saving? Because right now you're in a harvest where people are saving you. What about tomorrow's harvest? You, and for you to come into tomorrow's harvest, you have to sow a seed today. So anytime when you're in a season of harvest, make sure even in your harvest, you are sowing seeds so that you can retain tomorrow. Yeah. If you enjoy all your harvest, are you with me? You'll be like that guy they use for that advert, that bank, you saw other advert, that had all the meat. What, what bank? Is it Union Bank? Are you sure? Yeah, no. Is it Union Bank? Uh-huh. I, don't like people, I don't like people lying in the house of God. In the house of God. Are we together, friend? Are you listening to what I'm teaching you? Yes, sir. All right. But you know, I like the mindset with which Jesus made that statement in John chapter 34, which I got inspired again by that mindset. You see, because sometimes we do things because, yeah, they said I should do it. They said I should do it. And I found out that that's not the Lord's mindset. Jesus was not doing it to tick a box and said, I've done it. There was, there was, there was a type of psychology, a type of, a type of motivation. He said, my meat is to do the will of the Father who sent me. But that's not all. And to finish it. I love, I love that energy. Friends, I want that energy. That is to say, this thing, I'm going to finish it. So it's not enough to start something. It's not enough to grow something. I have the capacity to complete it. Are you with me, friends? And, and, and that is the motivation that I start with. I start with the motivation to end. Not just to say I've started it. Are you together with me? I just love the way this man inspires me. This man called Jesus Christ. He's been my greatest inspiration in many years now. I love his mind. He says, my meat is to do the will of the Father who sent me. But guys, listen, I'm not just going to go back home and tell him I, I, I tried. So, 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 so trial sometimes doesn't, it's not spectacular. Because we have capacity to complete. Are you with me? And sometimes we feel justified because we have tried. You know, I've tried to, sometimes we, we have a sense of justification. We behave as if we are not God's. We behave like we're not gods. Are you together with me? I said, as he is, are you together with me? So are you. So if Jesus can boldly say, I'm going to do it and I'm going to finish it, what are you meant to also say about the things God has told you to do? I'm going to finish it. So I'm not just going to try. I'm going to finish it. 
And so you look at your home, you look at your marriage, and says, this marriage is going to work. Not just that it's going to work, it's going to work perfectly. It's going to work the way God is going to work. This business God has given me, I'm going to start it, I'm going to grow it, and it's going to, I'm going to finish it. Are you with me? That is how God's think. Are you with me? Now, when this enters your spirit, then you can, no wonder he gave his life. You see, because the motivation wasn't to try. The motivation was to finish it. Because if the motivation was just to try, when it was time to die on the cross, you say, well, I've tried to... Okay. I've tried. <laughs> you get the point. What you try? I've come. You said, who shall I send? Yeah, yeah, send me. I'm here now. You understand? The man was going to do anything for him to finish it. Are you together with me? Is there something you must finish? You're in trouble. Is there something you must finish? Is there, is there something you must finish? Is there something? You must have something you must finish. Are you together with me, friend? You must have something you must finish. And nothing should deter you. Are you with me? Nothing should deter you. There's something that you must finish. And if you think it was easy for Jesus, it wasn't so easy. I'm telling you the truth. It wasn't so easy. But he was, he was determined. Praise God. At the age of 12, before 12, actually, this man already had an idea of his purpose. And he could not start it till about 20 years later. You get my point? It was until he was 30, he went into full-time ministry. So how can you, what level of, how can you aggregate focus for 20 years? How can you aggregate focus on one thing for 20 years? How do you, how do you have compiled focus? Are you together with me? Why didn't he go and decide to do a course? Just go and do a course in diploma international relations. Do it for five years and work small. And later I say, okay, God, I will try small. After that, go and do small carpentry. After that, go and do small things. You know, you know how many things you have, you have caught destiny? You have caught several things. This is my purpose and calling. Many things. Like how do, you, how do you have such level of compounded energy of heart to just finish something? I want that. And I'm praying for that. And I perceive that it is the practice in finishing little things that, 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 that grows and gives you that type of heart. I said, this thing, I'm going to finish it. You get my point now? I'm going to finish it. I'm not going to be discouraged, drop it, go to another one, discourage, drop it, go to another one, discourage, drop it. After a while, you find out that, that your heart is like your behavior, very fragmented. Friends, are we together? I'm speaking to you this way because the Lord is inspiring you. And I'm teaching you and imparting you with the pathway of execution. Pathways of what? Of execution. Pathways of execution. There is a move of the spirit again upon the face of the earth. And you must arm yourself with a sense of execution. Let people, let kings meet us and know that these ones are also kings who have something they want to get done. Are you with me? You must have something you must get what? Done. There should be something that, that gets you awake at night. Are you together with me? Awake at night, strategizing. It is not too much to have a 15-year plan and every year there is direction towards that plan. <laughs> Because whether you like it or not, the 15 years will come. And if you didn't build towards it, it will meet you a child. 
Listen, 15 years will come. 20, 20 years time will come. So if you think it's far, well, it will come. Before you know, you are 85. Before you know, you are, you are 56. Before you know, before you know, you will start, one day you hear your children discussing about when you will die so that they can sell your house. You just, you just got to find out that. I'm telling you the truth. 15 years will come. You remember there was one annoying auntie many years ago. Very annoying auntie. That will come to your house. I don't know what's wrong with her. She will not go to her husband's house. Friends, you are that auntie now. You are that auntie now. That 15 years ago, that auntie that used to annoy you as a teenager. I said, what's wrong with this one? Different boys will come and be visiting her. Cocot is serious. That auntie, you are now that auntie now. And that useless man and that woman, may you not be that in the near, in the near future. I'll tell you the truth. You are, you are that, that brother. If you go and ask him, how would, just ask him, okay, how old were you in 2004? You'll find out they will call your age. Just now, I know you go and meet him and say, 2004, when you used to come to our house, how old are you? They will say, I was 32. <sighs> So 15 years will come. But how will it come? So instead of 15 years coming, can you race towards it? Race towards it. That I have a little go with you. Friends, race towards it. Little, little effort. Little, very little. Little, little effort. Little. Because that's what you have many times. You don't have all the resources. The resources you have are a mockery to the destiny you see all the time. The resources are always a mockery. When you look at your destiny, look at your resources, it's a mockery. But apply those little resources. Be applying them. They will turn to harvest. Apply those little resources. Never be found not applying. Never. Because harvest is harvest. Sometimes harvest is a time is a time frame. God can plan that in 2030, I will just release a general harvest. I tell you the truth, and I'll show you a scripture to protest that point. For all my children that have that have put in effort. And that was the parable Joseph was talking about, about those that he invited to come and work in a particular field. And somebody came at the almost close to the end of the whole work and he gave them the same reward. And some people were angry. Are you with me? And to what? Finish it. Say finish it. Can you tell your friend to finish it? Finish. You know, we used to use this language a lot in primary school. It's now to use it better. It's like, I'll finish you now. <laughs> it's stubborn boys that I used to use it. <laughs> I used to use it very well in primary school. That means I'll beat the best. I'll just finish you now. <laughs> I'll just finish you now. 
If you, don't use it, you, you didn't use it. Eh? Praise God. I said I will finish you now. I'll just I'll just finish you now. So give me Romans chapter Romans chapter eight. We will start the reading from verse 28. But when we have read verse 28, we will now back up to we'll back up to 21. Or maybe 18. But let's start from 28. For we know that all things work together. For good to those who love God. Praise God. All things work together for good to those who what? Who love God. Pastor, can you please stand up? To those who love God. And also to those who what? Who are called according to his purpose. So, according to the scripture, there is a mechanism that assures good. Amen. There is a miraculous mechanism because It's miraculous in the sense that we know that, naturally speaking, on the face of the earth, not all things are good. Are we together here? On the face of the earth, there is, is is this called, all right. In the face of the earth, there is evil, right? Now, let's tell ourselves the truth. Is all things good on this earth? All things are not good. In fact, we, we sometimes are tempted to even say that most things are not good. Are you with me? The percentage of those who experience good are always way lesser than the percentage of those who don't what? Experience good. Now, this is even the type of good that scripture calls good. So this is like good, good. Right? Like this is amazing good. So the scripture is now telling us, if you can in your head, just quote that all things. And let it sink into your mind a little. That can, how can all things be good? Amen. Amen. But it says that, not that all things are good, but all things work. Yeah. They work. That's some type of machine. If it's work, it's a mechanism. It says all things work. That's so. There is a machine that if you put anything inside that machine, the machine will work it. And it will turn out as what? Good. 
that there is nothing you put inside that machine. Are you getting my point? This is a very serious machine. It's an amazing, it's an amazing product. This one is not from China. Are you together with me? This is a serious machine. And I'm serious. This is how the Lord explained this to me. That what type of machine can work good, can turn anything to good? That the death of Jesus was good. And that was the biggest thing Satan ever did in his life. Satan, the death of Jesus was, the death of Jesus was Satan's greatest expression of evil. And when, and when he took out Jesus, he didn't know that the whole arrangement had been put in that machine. And that machine turned his death to the greatest event ever. You know, the death of Jesus was the greatest celebration in hell. But he made a mistake. He didn't know that they put it in that machine. Are you with me? When you put anything in that machine, it turns out good. I need that machine, man. I need to to purchase. I need to pass over, you can see that. I need to purchase that machine that can work. The machine works. Everything you put in it, good. You put death in it, you get resurrection. Yeah. Anything, you, anything you put in it, you put suffering in that machine, you get glory. Yeah. Anything you just put in that machine, good. Ah. I want this machine, man. <laughs> I'm, I'm racing for this, for this wonder-working machine. He says, all things work, all. He says, all. I perceive it was that machine, Papa Deboe put the death of his son in. Yeah. Put that machine in. Because when he spoke, there was, there was revival. Yes. That is 10 minutes message. Just, it was death of his son. And he said, we should go and plant churches. He put it in that machine. Boom. All of us were crying, oh, daddy, you have lost his son. The man said, shut up. It's in that same machine. So sometimes, sometimes, what you call evil and bad, is relative. It's which machine did you put it in? If you put it in the right machine, maybe it is good. I'm suspecting this is the only machine God works with. Because every time he created, he always ended by saying, it's good. Day one, he said, it's good. Day two, good. Day three, he said, good. Day four, good. The six very good. And that machine, they install it inside you. It's installed in you. It says, all things work together for good. The love of God, the purpose of God, is what you use to make that machine. To those who love God, and to those who are called, according to what? To his purpose. So love, calling, purpose. Amen. If you get those three materials in the market, you can put that machine inside you. And when that machine is inside you, you will know no evil. If you don't have this machine, your days will be evil. 
Are we together, friends? So it means that I can always experience the goodness of God in my life. Now let's let's back up to verse oh I have just about half few minutes. Let's back up to verse 18 and let's see what happens in verse 18. Can you say purpose? purpose. I can't hear you say purpose. purpose. So let's back up to verse 18. Maybe, maybe I'm not even going to rush it. Maybe we'll have, it, we'll have this conversation maybe tomorrow, maybe next week. The Lord will know it. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Now, now you know, in 28, Paul says, for we know. So the person explaining suffering like this is somebody who has that machine. So the guy looked at suffering and he says suffering is converted to what? To glory because he has the machine. You don't see suffering that way. Without the machine, suffering is suffering. With the machine, suffering is glory. So the machine is a type of converter. Let's read. For the earnest expectation of the creation of the Galileans for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to fertility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. This your laptop is very slow. Because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the, of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with bad pangs to get on to now. Not only that, we also, we also have the first fruits of the Spirit. Even ourselves, grown within ourselves. Praise God. I just want to round off for today. And I want to pick just one thing and try and explain that and round off with it. So, so we say that, I said earlier, that that machine is made up of the love of God and, what, and the purpose of God or the call of God upon your life. So, so when you step into God's love, which I have preached for some weeks when I was talking about the pleasure of God. It's also the love of God. When you step into the pleasure of God and step into the purpose of God, don't forget that what the scripture we are reading is that all things, just wait, just keep, chill. The scripture we are reading is that all things work together for good. Uh-huh. How many things? All things. To those who, are, who love God and are called according to his purpose. If you look at the theme of this series, you can see the three things we need to talk about there. All things work together for good. That's the plenty. Because it's all things to those who love God, that's the pleasure and are called according to his purpose, that's purpose. <laughs> so you see the mechanism of pleasure, purpose, and what? And plenty. 
Are you together with me? Have pleasure, purpose, and what? And plenty. That's all things good. All things good. If I told you that you're in your life, all the things you would experience is good. Is that not a great life? I tell you that's going to be your story. That's your story. Praise God. Now, so let me just start and pick the purpose there, right? Somebody say purpose. 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 Because it says that two things will make all things work together for your good. Let's, Let's bring it to two. Which is the love of God and what? And the purpose of God. Are we together here? If you mix purpose and and love, you will get what? Good. That's pleasure and what? And purpose. So purpose is like it's like the soul of a great life. Spirit, soul, and body. It's like the it's like the force that binds the pleasure and the goodness. Am I pretty here? So you can see that the conversation of purpose that God communicates into your heart, one of its byproducts and one of the intention is plenty. The reason for, can I preach now? The reason for purpose is purpose, but the byproduct of purpose is plenty. Are you with me? The byproduct of purpose is what? It's plenty. Come babe. Now, if the byproduct of purpose is plenty, have you not noticed that the greatest temptation against purpose is lack. That anytime God communicates purpose to you, the enemy tells you you are going to lack. Why does he use lack to threaten us? Because he knows that the plan of God is plenty. And so he comes and scares you with lack. So actually, there is a selfish reason to fulfill purpose. That you can selfishly go and go for purpose because you will break into plenty. This that I'm teaching you is everywhere littered in scripture. It says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And what? All. All. So your portion is connected to your seeking. Maybe I'm called to demystify purpose. Maybe. Maybe I'm called to make purpose exciting. Maybe that's the call of God upon my mind, upon my life. To let you know that purpose is not a sacrifice. What if you knew purpose is not a sacrifice? What if purpose, what if purpose was a greatness idea? What if purpose was a plenty idea? What if the idea was about plenty? Jesus went and died for us. Right? But guess what? God has received many sons into glory. His death has led to harvest. That purpose has resulted to plenty. And now, Satan in his lifetime had only one Jesus to deal with when Jesus was upon the earth. Now, Satan Satan has millions and billions of Jesuses to deal with. Listen, you think Satan is having a field day. Satan is not having any field day at all. This has been the worst period of his life. This is the, Satan can, Satan loses 
his children at he do, there's no insurance on any of his children. Yeah. At any given time. He already has a plan for one guy. The guy will be this, this. One, one son of God just gets close to that guy and just puts lights in him. Pow! And the guy is already born again. He's having a bad day. Are you with me? Thousands of people, millions of people wake up, lifted up, holy hands to God. God talks to people. You don't understand that. People are free from bondage. People hear God stresslessly. It was not like that many years ago. The days of Elijah. Stop praying and say, God, give us the days of power. We want to go to this. The days of Elijah were not the days of power. The days of Abraham were not the days of power. These are the days of power. So purpose is an idea for plenty. The enemy tempts us and say that no, if you step into purpose, you lack. No, if you step into purpose, you're blessed. Are we together, friends? You can sit down. So, I can trust purpose. The purposes of God over your life that he has communicated to you, they are worthy of, is worthy of trust. That is how you will be more beautiful and have plenty. You will step into abundance when you appreciate purpose. Purpose is God's plan for your abundance. Are we together, friend? You will stink and smell if you're not in purpose. But you will shine and glow if you're in purpose. Are we together, friends? Can you say a big amen? Go back to our Romans chapter 8. I'll round off with that, with that reading I'm reading. There's a particular place you are in now. But let me quickly say this and I'll meet you there. So it means that I'm always going to look for the purpose of God on anything, on any matter, and even over my life and stick to it. So Sometimes, are you listening to me now? I want to give you some practical statements. Sometimes, there are some interactions and some experiences that, that come to you and they ask you to, to trade purpose. If you trade purpose, you have nothing left. So it means that when you begin to understand what I'm preaching, then you now begin to appreciate that. It is not a choice. You have not given me any choice when you tell me to draw purpose and take any other thing. Because all that I, I can have is in my purpose. So God has put your life 
in purpose. That if you drop purpose, you have nothing left. That's why it was difficult for Isaac to bless Esau. Esau said, is there still no more? Is there still no more left? He said, oh God, he took everything. Are you with me? In your purpose is what? Is everything. So, when, when, when you lose purpose, you don't have anything left. So, you, you now begin to appreciate that to drop purpose is not a temptation. Because a temptation to at least. Or better put, there is absolutely nothing of, of, you see, there are things men see that God cannot see. And God sees in purpose. God sees, there is a way God, the, the eyes of God appear. And he sees what he created and what he made and what he ordained. If what God did not ordain is walking up and down, God cannot see it. He can't see it. God looked at a man who already has a child. He said, you will not go childless. My promise with you stand. Yeah, that's Abraham. Abraham said, let... Abraham said, let Ishmael live in your sight. <laughs> as far as God is concerned, Ishmael is not alive in connection to Abraham. And if you take Ishmael to the hospital and do DNA tests... The people who say this is Abraham's son. God said, which Abraham? Abraham does not have son. So it's not about what you have. It's about do you have what he gave? Yes. He said, oh God, that Ishmael might live before you. He said, Ishmael is not living. The preaching was meant to end in a good rejoicing way. But I want to be disciplined. Make sure what you are counting can be counted. Because you can count 100 and God has not successfully counted two. Saying God, I have hundred. God says, ah, you don't even have half. So, heaven does not help those who help themselves. Heaven has no business with them. Heaven, heaven is with those who execute purpose. If you stay in purpose, you stay alive and you stay prosperous. Purpose is your link to fulfillment, is your link to, to staying alive, and is your link to plenty. I will listen to this message maybe tonight or tomorrow or next week. But the next time I'll preach this message, I'll listen to it so I'll know where I stopped and I'll pick it up from there. Let these thoughts, let it stay with you. 
and meditate on it and use it.